Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. If you're trying to support a corporate who has a sustainability agenda, you now need to deliver in line with that. Hello, welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor podcast. It's Jerry Alexander, and with me, I've got James Rankin of Instant Group with me. Hi, James. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Nice to see you. Um, thanks for joining us. Today's episode is going to be about data, right? And in specifics, about the UK market, although you guys have um, data from worldwide. But in terms of the UK market, we're really talking about the office market. And you recently brought out a report about the flex space market in the UK. So before we dive into that report, maybe you just give a bit more context as to what Instant Group do and why you're in such a great position to be able to analyze so much data. Yeah, sure. So so the business has been going for over 20 years and, and very much focused in the sort of the world of flexible workspace and, and agile workspace. Um, we have the largest global uh, digital brokerage for flexible workspace specifically and have expanded over you know, the last decade to offering quite a lot of consultancy, um, but also delivering uh, flexible workspace uh, solutions for our, our clients. So we manage somewhere in the region of uh, three and a half to four million square feet of flexible uh, product ourselves as well globally. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, that's allowed us to not only um, aggregate a significant amount of um, data over, over the years, but also the exhaust of our primary business um, creates an absolute wealth of, of data, yeah. both at the global level and, and in the UK. Yeah, it's brilliant. So that, that basically is where, just to give our listeners context, where all this information is coming from, and it, it's pretty diverse. So in the UK, um, have you got a rough number of how many locations you have, you have listed through the main brokerage site? Um, across our platform, I think it's somewhere in the region of about six and a half thousand in the UK yeah. um, flexible locations. Yeah, at present. That is a, that's a good number. Right. OK, so let's get into the report. So some of the headline pieces that came out of the report and the research were based around, I guess, the, the, the overall market. So the, the shift in um, occupancy in different sets of the market when we become to in a little minute the sort of local level but maybe you could just touch on James some of the things that popped out for you in this this body of research yeah so I mean I think I think the thing that, that stood out um, particularly is that while we you know might want it to everything to be all sort of shiny and roses yeah. it, there is, it, it, we're in a tough market right now whether you're in the traditional sector or, or the flexible workspace sector um, I mean what we're seeing is demand recovery sort of slower than maybe we'd ideally like sort of post-COVID. We saw a massive spike in 2021 of new demand of, of people really interested in trying to understand the market. Um, but but ultimately, you know, if we looked at our predictions pre-COVID, you know, we are still behind um, what we would have hoped to see. Yeah. 
Um, and, and that, you know, I think is sort of, uh, it's, it's more of a short term problem from what we're hearing and seeing based on the data than maybe the kind of strict, um, the, the more sort of, uh, I guess, deeper problems that are that some of the more traditional areas of commercial yep. estate are experiencing so that's a positive but again you know there are it is tough um at an overall level um profitability in, in in particular is being squeezed at the moment with cost rises um and clients and occupiers of of, of space particularly flexible space um challenged um when you know it comes to increasing rates it's 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 a tough thing to do at the moment yeah, because it, in particular energy costs, but obviously other other costs too. And with the um, with those occupiers, I noticed that there was um, a, a little bit of text just given to the fact that people seem to be staying put. So there's not as much churn. So actually, when you've got those occupiers, that's that you, you're in a relatively strong position. Yeah, it, it's one of those sort of, I think, misnomers when people think about flexible space, or certainly those from outside the industry, yeah. that, um, you know, there's a high, high churn rate. And, and you know, in times of crisis, people just, you know, exit the space and, and never come back. I mean, we're seeing occupancy rates um, in the UK um, remain at some of the highest levels that we've ever seen. Um, averaging around 82, 83% across the UK. Yeah. Um, and then when you're looking at, you know, the average Sort of occupy occupier in terms of length of length of stay and i won't say term length or contract length because that's somewhat you know irrelevant when it comes to flexible workspace they could have a one month rolling contract they could have a one year or a three-year contract but but in terms of averages you know we're seeing most occupiers stay sort of between four and five years um, within a space at the moment which actually when you look you compare that to sort of traditional lease lengths actually there isn't a huge amount of no. Between that, it's just that the the initial contract um, tends to be much shorter initially, as, um, and, and therefore you know it's, it's on the operator to get that 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 product right and that that service that service level right. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of people were using a five year or the th three year break at the moment on a leased product, and actually sitting at around about the four years right right in there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of um, that. I guess the customers, the customers are staying put. We've had a flat lining, I guess, but have we had a lot more stock introduced? Because when we came out of COVID, things there was suddenly the shortage of supply, and then all I was hearing from operators, particularly in London, because let's be fair, a lot of this data is London centric. There is we're going to talk about more national picture too, but there was almost all operators saying we need more space, we need more space. Um, yeah. So has there been more coming on, and that's maybe affected the numbers a little bit? There, there has there has been more coming in into the market. Um, actually, particularly in London, you know, we've yep. seen landlords and asset owners um, either bring their own products to the market or be more open with partnering with, with flexible operators. But um, I mean, London is you know by far the biggest flexible market in the UK, but it's not the only one. Um, you know, we have we have seen over the last um, decade flexible workspace expand into secondary and tertiary markets within the UK. And it's in those markets where we haven't really seen huge amounts of investment. Yeah. Certainly when it comes to sort of quality flexible space. Um, and that's, uh, you know, and we've highlighted that in the report, you know, we're starting to see shortfalls in some of those markets. So London, yes, we've seen, you know, 
new stock bring or supply being brought to the market uh, in various different sort of routes or through various different routes but actually it's it's in these secondary and tertiary sort of locations where we are starting to see uh, an imbalance form um, with a lack of i would say quality flexible product um, in the market at the moment oh i'm glad you brought that up so let's just talk about regional because a lot of our listeners will be in that 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 kind of there'll be private investors who are looking at maybe more local projects not necessarily london centric so maybe you could just give us a couple of those locations where you're seeing that supply demand imbalance what, what yeah, areas um, we highlight yeah absolutely in places like um leicester as, as an example um in glasgow um you know if we go sort of into the home counties you've got places like um Reading, for instance, um, where you know it's 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 these markets which are slightly less glamorous. Um, we don't see some of the big investors um, developing in those markets. Um, but as I say, you know we we are seeing consistent demand increases year on year, uh, and very little new stock coming into the market. Yeah, and that thing about the quality piece so i just go to my own example of going to one of the cities in scotland that a lot of the product just wasn't of anything above sort of two three star and going in with a new product that's that that's much more at market has really allowed you to capture your own sector to differentiate and it's one of the things that, that was identified in the report really was you know you need to differentiation is really key and one of the stats i found really interesting you had a, a, a there's a list there of things that customers are looking for right mm. and the top one was friendly staff that 49 percent of um people had said that was important to them and it came out top and ease the ease to connect technology was down at 16 percent, right i mean to me sometimes internet seems like it's like water if it's turned off life stops yes <laughs> but people forget how how yeah. important it is to be fair yeah it wasn't um, it in, that was the fact i thought it was really fascinating friendly staff was one of the most important things yeah, I mean, I think that's that's you know the the, the service level uh, and the environment has always been sort of, I guess, a USP of of the flexible workspace or co-working space. Sort of, if you look back in over the last, let's say, you know, half decade, decade, um, and we've sort of probably forgotten that that was one of the reasons, or those features were one of the reasons why many people started their flexible workspace, you know, solutions. They they felt like they didn't have the community that they were happy to work within. They didn't feel like the existing um, office product sort of suited their needs. Yeah. And I think, you know, that we, we still see that. And, and that was clearly highlighted in the research, which while employers, those decision makers, are more, you know, more interested in cost, in the uh, redundancy around the internet, as an example, around does the office have parking, you know, quite, quite, clear features that you can identify with it was the employees the individuals that were more appreciative of those sort of softer side services yeah. um which as i say is sort of from my perspective was the where sort of the bedrock of a flexible workspace you know where where it started or what why it started for many anyway and I, I don't know if you you know agree or disagree from your perspective no i i do agree and and i think what's interesting is how much the shoe has moved to the other foot so traditionally um for us we haven't had a lot of corporate clients but nevertheless 
some high person high up in the business will come in and have a look around and say yeah this this doesn't have the parking does it the things you're talking about right the hard and fast stuff but then actually now it's more the hr department that come around and they want to make sure the environment is such that when they take employees on they're going to stay yeah. so they're, they're trying to you have these um you have people working in corporates and their their job titles something like office experience manager you know things we would have heard of a few years ago and it's much more oriented around soft stuff because they want employees to stay because that shoe's on the other foot right now yeah time it, will it, tell. no time will tell and you know and it you know certainly does depend on you know where the economy's at and yeah who holds the power shall we say yes. um to put it in sort of you know slightly um specific language but yeah. I, I think you know there are so many examples of where i'll go into a fantastic building in london or anywhere in the uk or globally and i'll have a huge entrance way you know a stunning marble or wooden long desk with you know incredibly polite um reception staff but they really have no personal engagement and you mm. go into a flexible space and they know your name they if you're working there they know you know how you like your coffee they know what sort of things might make your day easier um you know they offer they offer to help print things out or you know sort your mail out whatever it may be and it's it's those things that just make people's lives easier which um we're seeing i think come through um in the research when you know when you're talking about do you come into the office or do you you know work from a, a secondary location or work from home um you know it's as i say it's the sort of thing people are, are really sort of caring about right now yeah yeah okay i want to just go back to something you mentioned which was um that landlords are moving more into flags so in in london that's been happening more and maybe land securities have set up their own um, flex offer and as the more traditional market starts looking maybe with a touch of envy towards flex and thinking how do we do this some are partnering some are creating their own divisions but one of the things that i think to give a bit of context it was really interesting to read in the report was that a 10 percent shift in occupancy from traditional to flex space would require 5.2 multiple increase of the current flexible supply across the uk to get to that demand level i mean that's huge I mean, right now, James, just give a context. What's the size of the flexible space market in the UK? Um, so, so we, we think that the sort of the penetration rate of flex in the UK is around sort of between seven and eight percent of total yeah. office office stock. Um, that probably puts it somewhere in the region of, I think, um, sort of 100, 100, probably 10 million square feet, something like that. It depends on you know who you talk to. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, th I think th that those figures sort of show the uh, amount of headroom that still exists in this market and its, its relative immaturity in the grand scheme of things. Um, but, you know, a 10% swing it doesn't, it may sound like quite a lot, but actually when you're talking to occupiers and you're talking to those providing space, the asset owners and landlords, they're predicting far higher levels of adoption when it comes to flexible space over the next yep. five six years so i mean i i personally think that that 10 percent is a, a wholly realistic figure which is why we've used it um, and as you say you know that that means that we need to see about a five times multiple in, in terms of the uh the amount of flexible product on the market to your initial point what that looks like that's going to be the that's the big question mark you know is it as we know flex and co-working today or is it more of those uh, managed products 
um, short form lease type types of um, sort of activities or, or leases which have service wrappers um, wrapped around them um which we will see you know make up more and more in the market and I, and I think actually you know we will see a lot more from that side um of the market over the next um you know, few years yeah i i love talking about the whole hospitality piece it's exciting it's interesting and the 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 space is much more vibrant they're fun to be in but there is still a place right for smaller units that maybe can't afford a person and just making sure they're technology enabled so that the user experience is still as easy as possible or frictionless as possible. Um, are you seeing uh, a, a particular size of demand? Is, is the, the, the smaller op operators that are asking for more space, the larger corporates, you know, where's the, where's that piece of the jigsaw? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it depends on where you are located. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're in a big, you know, major city, then from what we're seeing, it's it's the corporates that are, you know, leading that sort of adoption yeah. change. Um, I think if you're in the secondary and tertiary markets, then it is the smaller local companies who are more agile to start with. You know, it's quicker for them to make decisions. Um, but then, to be fair, that they've been the ones leading the charge for the, you know, the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, so that hasn't, I would say, massively changed. The change is coming from the corporate adoption. Yep. Um, but you can't forget that the bedrock, you know, of, of the sector. And actually, when you look at, you know, where people are employed, the majority of people are still employed in SMEs you know, around the UK. And, and it's those those companies, those size sort of um, businesses, um, small teams, small companies that are looking um, for that um, that that agility within yeah. uh, those uh, secondary and tertiary markets. OK, so. It last bit i want to talk about was a little piece on sustainability yeah and this kind of leads on from the whole corporate thing so the corporate appetite seems to be or they're certainly more in a place where they're needing and requiring um emissions data etc and you you mentioned in the piece that there's an increase on occupier demand mm -hmm. centered around sustainability but 61 percent but but the um, providers were experiencing an increase but 31% hadn't, and, and they may well be the smaller locations. But do you have any data on the inquiries from the actual occupiers themselves? Or yeah. is that to come? Um, so so it is to come. We're, we're doing more research on that. Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing, again, you know, you can segment the market by sort of corporates and, and the SME market. Yeah. And the corporates, you know, it is an, an absolute priority. We can see that. And we do have data to support that. For the SMEs, I think it's it's not necessarily the top or the number one priority. You know, cost is, is clearly remains, um, I think, the primary primary focus. Yeah. Um, but it, it's sort of increasingly falling into the top three when it, you know when we talk about sustainability. And that's I think both because um, at a staffing level, you know, there's a recognition that employees want to see their businesses and their companies yeah. doing more. But also, it's about the supply chain to those corporates or to those large companies where. Yeah. You, you, if, you know, if you're trying to support a corporate who has a sustainability agenda, you now need to deliver in line with that. Um, so it's it's trickling through the, let's say, the supply chain exactly, um, yeah. and starting to have an impact. So we do have some data on it, but but, but there is certainly more, more to come. Uh, and that's what we're working on at the moment. Yeah, brilliant. OK, that'll be really interesting because we we as as a, I would count ourselves as a tertiary location, technical location and provider, we are starting to see it trickle through. It's not the actual company that's necessarily directly needing it for their own. It's because they're being encouraged by their 
corporate customer. That's yeah. where, as you say, exactly that is starting to bleed through. And some people don't know anything about it yet. Um, and then others are starting to be asked. And, and certainly I'm speaking to some of the larger operators inside the M25, it, it's it's a big part of the decision-making process now for corporate. Some of them are effectively saying, we're not coming if you haven't got X, Y, and Z in place. Yeah, it, it is becoming sort of black and white like to, to yeah. that level now. And I mean, what, we're, what we've done as a company, and, and we know the industry is very challenging, you know, in terms of trying to get data, certainly if you're an occupier from many providers of space. So we've created sort of an index where effectively it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, seal of approval shall we say where it's you know we, we know a certain provider can provide data on core yeah. sustainability yeah. metrics which then means that the the occupier can sort of take that space with confidence yes and i think that's that's what's you know important at the moment is helping bring clarity and helping the occupier sort of understand what they can expect yeah um yeah yeah, brilliant. All right. Okay. So let's just round this off with just a, a quick um, summary, I guess, on differentiation, some of those locations. So you mentioned about Reading, mm -hmm. you mentioned about maybe more hospitality led. Is there any other things that operators need to be thinking about, even if it's not right now, it's coming? I mean, I think, I think you know, for, for me and the thing that we are doing as a business and, and I'm doing as a team a lot at the moment is using the data that we've mentioned to try and substantiate or inform the decision making. And I think that's really important at the moment in a market that is you know, increasingly competitive, mm -hmm. uh, but also with huge amounts of opportunity sort of down the road from what yep. we can see. So it, it's making sure that, you know, you're using the best data that's available to ultimately inform that 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 business plan you know understanding what are the real occupancy rates in the market what are the real achieved rates what, what can actually be achieved you know what are demand levels what is the customer type it's all of that sort of stuff that is now available in the market but um you know it, it it's just starting to use the, the resources that are available and I, I think you know personally i think that's incredibly important but we're, we're also seeing that from our customers that all of that sort of thing is being increasingly um, sought after, particularly when sort of financial backing um, conversations. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's, it's both for investment decisions, but also from the point of view of actually raising finance, particularly if you've not got experience in that particular area, having the, the, the data. And, and this is one of the challenges the industry is sort of highlighting more now is for us to get better valuations, we need to get a better data storage. And, and I think, you know, you guys are in a great position to be able to help with that. So anybody that's looking um, at taking on space, there's, there's two things, I think, from instance, one we've just spoken about, which is getting data, accurate data on the location you're looking at and trying to establish what type of offer you need to make. Because it's all very well saying, I'm going to open up a flex space, but actually for who and with what? So it's Absolutely. understanding the different parts, the moving parts. The second piece, though, which we haven't really talked about, is the fact that Instant are extremely good at finding new clients. So, you know, if you have got a property that is, uh, and you're listening to this and you've got a flex space property and you haven't listed on Instant's uh, website, you really need to get onto it because that's one of the key things that the business has been doing for many, many years, right? That's yeah, where that's the data comes from. That, that, that's where, as you say, that's where the data comes from. And, and you know, that that's, you know, one of our core business areas, which is ultimately... Um, 
bringing supply and demand together into the yep. market. Um, you know, we're a customer focused business. So, um, you know, we want to make sure that our customers, the occupiers of, of the flexible market, have as much choice as possible. And again, are making informed decisions. Um, and so, yeah, for, for us, it, it's really important to, um, you know, list as many um, spaces as we can to, to bring that that, that yeah. choice to the market. Okay, cool. So people can um, search up Instant uh, Group on Google. They'll be able to find the, the listing platform there. But in terms of market research, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys for that? Good question. So um, actually, our broken platform is Instant Offices. But if you go to yep. the, the Instant Group, which is a separate site, under there, you'll find uh, a lot of our freely available reports. Um, you'll also find links to be able to reach out and contact um, you know, the team if you have specific questions. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I got that the wrong way around. Thanks, James. <laughs> right. No, no. I totally appreciate your time. Thank you so much for um, for joining me on this Friday afternoon. I'll let no, you uh, carry on with work, right? <laughs> yes. Really appreciate it. And um, I look forward to catching up next time because your reports are annual. You're also doing reports in other parts of the world as well, but UK specific is, is an annual an annual celebration, right? It's an annual celebration of, of all of all, all things flex, flex, shall we say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Thanks, James. Speak to you soon. All right. Cheers, Jerry. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.